0: Welcome to What's Korean Cinema, episode 34 on The Wailing. And the director of The Chaser and The Yellow Sea is back. This time with a long horror movie that was one of the big hitters box office-wise and critically and also all of those things internationally for Korean cinema in, in 2016. So will the man go free for free now that his name is being... Recognized and connected to a claim now by the third movie, really, really strongly. Now he's a name. If he wasn't a name during the Yellow Sea, now he's a name. So let's uh, break it down for for you and see if the whaling represents him going free for free, because that 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 means at least I liked both the Chaser and the Yellow Sea. So, uh, but uh, we'll get to your views. Uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure you thought none of them were turkeys necessarily. <laughs> I, I I I think you rated them fairly highly. So.
1: I'm a huge Hong Jin fan, just so you know.
0: And uh, I'm Kenneby, and uh, the person you heard is, of course, celluloid, you know, uh Paul Quinn. So say hello again, buddy, and uh, welcome back to Modern
1: Korean Cinema Territory. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. We're glad to be here.
0: So uh, let's uh, get this uh, going. Some quick contact information before we do the rundown and uh, talk a little bit of uh, what there is to talk about in terms of the director and the whaling, our uh, fairly young director. I don't think he's hit to his... Uh, 40s yet. Uh, so he's still a uh, fairly young guy. Uh, but anyway, this is What's Korean Cinema on the Podcast on Fire network. We are located on podcast... Well, we are located on com, along with a, a fairly big archive of uh, Korean cinema podcasts. But we also do ones on Hong Kong cinema, Japanese cinema, Sleazy Cinema. Uh, we do podcasts that uh, discusses the very, very important and valid and uh, important... Uh, social aspect of ninjas in movies we discussed that for uh, for 16 episodes or so there's an archive of that point is you have a pl- plethora of choices uh, and uh, thank you for choosing What's Korean Cinema, and uh, we are available on social media. Click the handy buttons at the top of our website: uh, the Facebook and Twitter button, for instance. And while you're on Facebook, join our fairly friendly, uh, very friendly discussion group featuring show updates and discussions. And leave a like on our page in support. And uh, click iTunes uh, button to the iTunes button to subscribe to our feed. And uh, also Stitcher Radio. If you click that button, that will lead you to their website where you can stream What's Korean Cinema. And all our shows but uh, all of that is available from their via their application rather on the apple app store and google play i write about uh, a variety of hong kong and taiwanese movies over at so good reviews.com and i vid- video review at com, and my tweets are available at so good reviews Hangul cellular is the place to find reviews of mainly modern korean cinema uh, you've done the whaling but i i we didn't talk of it last episode but you, you have a little desire to um go back and review some golden era stuff when time allows right
1: i i really have i mean i over the years you know you do as much of it as you can aware that when big films come out you've got to cover them so i've been aware that over the last little while i haven't done as much classic stuff as i want to and i'm kind of obsessed with classic stuff so I'm in the process of setting up a, you know, we'll do a new film, followed by an old, followed by a new, followed by an old. It's just finding the time to get it all together and get something thematically going the way, the way we do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in process. I think it's worth doing. Not, not enough people are talking about classic golden age cinema and it needs to be done
0: add uh, some uh, voices to it, indeed. So uh, we are looking forward to that. And uh, just to uh, give your, uh, your listeners, I'm sure you have listeners and they're they're, they're sick of me talking all the time, <laughs> but give all of the listeners uh, the URL to your website as well.
1: I'm Paul. I'm from HangelCelluloid.com. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash um On Twitter at twitter.com HangelCelluloid. You can email me at info at Pop over to the site, you'll find a lot of new movies. You will find a fair few old ones, even though they were reviewed, you know, months ago, Um, but they're there. So go and have a look if you're
0: interested. And as for your rundown here, listeners, there are a few precious uh, sections coming up. So this is your heads up as to what is coming up in this episode on The Wailing. And first, we'll discuss sort of the impact of Na Hong-jin's three movies to date and throw in some brief views. uh, Because there's not a whole lot of biographical notes on him as such uh, in this uh, very young career. So we'll, we'll focus on the work. And there we conclude with the review of The Wailing, in all simplicity, and there are timestamps in the show post, so you can look it up in case you want to jump ahead to the review of The Wailing. And that movie is from 2016, and plot from Paul's review of the film over at Hangol's celluloid goes as follows. A small rural Korean community is rocked by an increasing number of seemingly inexplicable, hugely violent murders. The alleged perpetrators all appear to have contracted a disease, causing severe rashes on the skin, uh, changing their personalities to uh, psychotic and abusingly, uh, abusively violent personalities, and each subsequently um, kills a member of the family. And, uh, and even in some cases, it results in them ultimately hanging themselves. As the town's uh, police force, including detective John Go, played by actor Kwak Do-Won, begin an investigation with no real clue of how to proceed in a case such as this. Rumors start to grow among among town locals that the terrible incidents are in fact being caused by a ghost slash demon masquerading as an elderly Japanese man played by Japanese actor Jun Kunimura. Uh, Jong-Go initially disregards such claims um, uh, because he's convinced they are simply wild, paranoid delusions. However, when his young daughter Hyo Jin, played by Kim Kwan, he suddenly turns violent and starts to suffer from a skin rash herself. jong realizes realizes that the clock is ticking to uh, determine whether this mysterious man really is involved and to stop him at all uh, cost from hurting her if he is. So that's Paul's uh, little breakdown of uh, parts of this uh, very long movie. Oh, when I say long, it's not it's not perhaps you know exclusively long. For a Korean movie, it's two and a half hours, but still, it it, it it's still an investment. It's still an investment, yeah. Uh, but anyway, we'll we'll get to whether or not the running time is warranted and all of that, I guess. But uh, first of all, let's talk a little bit of um, the impact of director Na Hong Jin, uh, because with him being so young and his career being young as well, three movies over the course of uh, ten years—is it? Mm-hmm. Was the Chaser? 08, 2007,
1: 2000, yeah, 2008, yeah.
0: So, um, like I feel this precious little history to talk of, which is sort of thinly veiled cover for the fact I couldn't find any biographical notes on it. So, let's give it simple and try and keep uh, and get uh, Paul's views on uh, why his few films have broken through so heavily with audiences and critics and awards, even internationally. Uh, what, what I did find, Paul, was that he locked a short movie as director about cooking, uh, seemingly. But then came The Chaser, his debut movie, about a serial killer hunt n- not by a pure clean cop, but by an X1 turned pimp. And what follows is some goofy comedy, some fine tension, and a film that doesn't avoid darkness at all. And uh, Ha Jung-woo as is he, quite an infuriating, detestable murderer who turns himself in early in the film. Well, that solves everything, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> uh, anyway, in your view, why did The Chase become a hit? I mean, granted, it is approachable material, but we were dealing with uh, debut director, though. So did you remember if it had buzz, recognizable stars, a massive campaign, or was it one of those movies that just managed to get the ball rolling in one end and then rumor quickly spread, like unexpectedly?
1: One of the wonderful things about Korean cinema, and we've talked about this before, is the fact that Debut directors are treated with as much respect as, you know, I've done a hundred film directors. The Chaser, there wasn't that much talk about it prior to it appearing. It appeared, people loved it, critics loved it, and it then went through the roof. It took in total five million in ticket sales. And for 2008, it was the third biggest film in Korea.
0: Audiences must be a very keen movie going bunch because that's not automatic success just because a few people say it's quite alright that doesn't mean the floodgates open necessarily no totally so so korea must be a very they, they must be very unaffected by massive campaigns and they're rather affected by what they hear uh, from actual people rather than the advertisement uh, themselves i think
1: so and i i think they've got to the point of realizing that if a, if a de- debut director is being said to be Something special that maybe he's worth taking a look at. If if you look at the films of 2008, where the chaser was third overall for the year, the biggest film was Speedy Scandal, which is essentially, you know, comedy melodrama. I guess
0: <laughs> you didn't like that film, right? <laughs> comedy melodrama. Uh.
1: Yeah, it's kind of throwaway. It's what you you know what you're going to get. It's going to be quirky uh, bit in your face and just have melodramatic elements in it and it's it's okay. Um, the good, the bad and the weird, which I didn't actually like all that much, was second biggest of the year, but that's simply because of the buzz surrounding Kim ji un.
0: Well, well a, a little unknown actor called Lee Bionghan, I suppose. So. <laughs> and
1: Lee as well. Yeah, I guess. But you had A Frozen Flower that year. You had The Divine Weapon. You had Portrait of a Beauty, which is a stunning film. You had Open City, which happens to have Sonia Jin in it. So it was a good year. You had Sunny, which was huge. But none came close to this tiny little film about a serial killer. And I think there's part of the Korean psyche that ever since Memories of Murder, and I know I always mention Memories of Murder, as soon as there's a serial killer movie there's a buzz among Korean audiences because they love those sort of films and they know sort of what to expect and they're expecting something unfamiliar as well and The Chaser, I think, served all its purposes and got big because people were enjoying it and telling their friends they enjoyed it and it built that way, but there wasn't a big who had beforehand Ha Jung woo, who is huge now as an actor. It was his first really big movie. You know, you look at Kim Yun Suk, who also is huge. Um, he's the other side. And they were both in the chaser and the yellow sea. Um, he had been a bit part actor for five, six, seven movies. And then he got the chaser and his career took off of all the actors, the girl in the chaser, Um, C.O. Young, he was the biggest star because she'd done TV, she'd done a lot of films that appealed to to women audiences, you know, melodramas, etc. So she was the biggest but she's certainly not a huge draw so you can't say it's the actors that drew them in, you can't say it's the director because it was his first time it just was one of those anomalies a year later a film called Into the White Night did exactly the same thing, first time director and it just Skyrocketed for no other reason that people saw it and said you need to see this, and I think that's a great thing. Uh,
0: let me ask you something off the cuff here. Uh, The Chaser would it receive a um essentially an adults only rating, or is it uh possibly like one step below the highest rating in Korea? If you remember off the cuff, is it that kind of movie that automatically it just is just for? Adults or young adults when right No, I mean,
1: careers uh, careers become very open-minded in terms of that.
0: Because the reason I'm asking is it doesn't seem like something violent and dark is the kiss of death commercially, necessarily.
1: No, c- certainly not. You know, I mean, The Chaser would just be seen as, you know, an 18, I guess, that sort of thing. It's only films, if you look at I Saw the Devil, where... You know, they take it to an extra level. They actually turn around and force cuts and force, you know, threaten with banning. That never happened with The Chaser. You know, Korea is used to serial killer movies. Korea is used to violence. If you look again, I, I bring up I Saw the Devil because it, it comes immediately to mind. If you look at the versions of it that were released, the international version had more sex, less violence. The Korean version had less sex, more violence. So, in terms of the violence side of things, Korea really doesn't have a problem with it anymore.
0: As for The Chaser, it scored high when awards season came around with the Grand Bell Awards giving the movie Best Picture, Best Director, Best Debut Director, Holy Crap. Best Actor, Kim Yon Seok, who played the ex cop turned pimp, right? Yeah. And uh, among others, uh, and they had a slew of no- nominations as well. So you you, you mentioned uh, other movies in passing, you know, uh, but but how ha- how was the ultimate competition when uh, when all was said and done, uh, you know, awards wise? Uh, did it compete with many other quality productions that it um, that it beat uh, come awards season? So uh, or, or what do you remember about that year of Korean movies when they started to hand out awards and stuff?
1: Just looking at that Grand Bell Awards listing. Of the films that were in nomination, it was, the, it was the 45th Grand Bell Awards. The films that you see the Chaser beating or being in competition with are incredible. You know, you'd Secret Sunshine with Jean Doyen, Shadows in the Palace, which is one of my quite possibly my favorite Joshi in the era, you know, dark political sexual fest. It's phenomenal. You'd uh, Happiness with. Lim um, Wu Song, you had Love Exposure, which was the big funny movie of the year. These films were absolutely huge and they're all considered classics right of now. And if you look at The Chaser, you know, best film, best actor, best director, etc, etc, etc. Best cinematography. It's just come from nowhere and it's floored everything in a really strong year.
0: You know, when you look back on it, I mean, I've seen it two times we, we actually done it we did it for a essentially a charity sort of bonus episode it, 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 it's going to be re-released but uh, we have we have reviewed it uh, technically um so what i remember is that man is it well executed but it isn't you know blowing the doors open in terms of originality and doesn't have to but that makes it all more amazing that essentially they gave the big awards to um this non-revolutionary genre piece you know, totally. so so if you look back on it, I mean, one, the, the, it's still a likable movie when you think back on it, like a high high rated movie, and 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 two, it isn't that still amazing that in, come award season, it uh, beats the class, you know, or, or or the supposed class, you know what I mean, like and, and instead, a thrilling movie gets it gets the big awards.
1: If if you'd asked me prior to those awards, having seen the Chaser, if I thought it would be nominated I'd probably say yes if you'd asked if I thought it would win I'd have said in competition with those you've got to be kidding me so hugely surprising um, my thoughts about The Chaser are much of my thoughts of Na Hong Jin's films in total that constant intensity that you know pulse pounding stuff I went to see The Yellow Sea my head hurt when I left the <laughs> cinema it's so intense that's a long and movie it, too yeah well totally um the chaser i think is slightly less intense but it's more balanced than the yellow Sea. so still
0: it still it not a kind of movie the chaser that it's really just um, it's a uh, brutal uh, it is
1: incredibly brutal um but i think in a good way i think he hit things that many other serial film serial killer films don't um there are visuals that are are absolutely shocking still to me, and that I don't know if I can give anything away. No, no,
0: I, keep it spoiler free.
1: You know, a, a, a character who's trying to get away from someone and what happens to her came completely unexpectedly to me. And I think that unpredictability within something that's so familiar just adds up to the whole thing. And that pulse-pounding soundtrack, you know, it's so rhythmic and it sticks in your head for days I think it's a memorable film even if a lot of things have done, been done before and I think it deserves what it got
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, I very much agree I mean uh, execute the fami- the familia very well and you, you'll you get far in my book And, and, the...
1: and uh, well, I, the only other thing I would say is that having watched The Chaser um, if I hadn't known that it was his first film I would not have thought that was Na Hong Jin's first film
0: Uh, that's the theme of uh, Korean debut directors, that they're so accomplished out of the gate, uh, uh, technically and that story tells, okay obviously you have a technical crew, but a debut movie, looking and feeling that sharp is not... uh, something you're used to, uh, maybe in Korea only, and that's what you expect uh, out of them. Because I I tend to cheekily ask Paul sometimes about the big acclaimed movies, like, (laughs) don't tell me it's a debut director, don't tell me it's a debut director, and in some cases, yes, it's a debut director. Damn it, damn it, they're so talented.
1: (laughs) You know, and that brings the other thing as well, where you get that sort of thing, and then they disappear for, you know, six years, and you think, well, what happened to him? And that sort of happened with Na Hong Jin as well,
0: yeah, between uh, the next movie and then the recent movie indeed, but uh, he got back uh, at work uh, pretty quickly, wasted no time and got his main cast back together for 2010's Intense, The Yellow Sea, about a taxi driver in northern China who travels to South Korea to find his wife. He agrees to, pour, to perform an assassination, and when that goes, doesn't go fully right, he finds himself uh, on the run. Uh, it scored a bunch of nominations and uh, bagged the Best Supporting Actor Award going to actress, uh, or oh, is an actor, uh, Jo Sung-ha. Is that a male or female? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, the actor in, case, in this case. Actor. But he seemed to compete uh, for the spotlight uh, with uh, productions such as The Frontline, Sunny, Blind, War of the Arrows. So this time around, he, the LLC couldn't beat uh, some of those big hitters. Uh, uh, well, uh, undeserved or not, uh, it merely uh, stayed sort of uh, on the nomination side of things uh, this time around. <laughs> I know some of the movies like just uh, sort of like, I think that's famous, I think that's famous. Uh, so uh, was it Stiff? Competition that year awards time uh, slash wh- how was the audience and critics response um, to uh, to the yellow because by now you know the chaser launched the director internationally so now they had something to promote the LLC on you know but uh, uh, come awards time uh, was that an unbeatable bunch you think uh, frontline sunny blind war of the arrows
1: in my opinion I think the two thousand and eight award ceremonies that The Chaser competed in was a stronger year than 2010. The Frontline and War of the Arrows, yeah, they were big enough. They were, certainly were not bigger than the 2008 films. The Yellow Sea didn't do anywhere near as well as The Chaser. The Chaser year overall in the year in 2008 was third in the Korean box office, and that's talking about Korean films and Hollywood movies as well. The Yellow Sea in 2010 only came to number 19. Why? Why
0: is that? you think uh, was it too difficult of a movie, or because it, it, it wasn't drastically like original to the point that we don't recognize this stuff? I don't think we should go and watch it. Therefore,
1: I think I think that the subject matter was much less what people wanted to see. Um, it talks about essentially a. a korean guy of chinese descent they're, they're called Joseon jocks right um in korea and to a lot of people's minds they're not real korean people and off the top of my head i would say that a lot of people sort of didn't go to see it because well you know you see those people running the cafes you see those people working on the streets or whatever um they're not part of our culture there is an issue of that I remember when the Yellow Sea came out, I was trying to understand the whole Joseon Jock thing. And I spoke to a Korean friend, a female friend about it. And she was like, well, you know, you can tell them when you're walking through the town, you can see. And it's that thing of it's not a very nice thing, but you just get the feeling that maybe less people were interested in a story about Joseon Jocks than, you know, a Korean serial killer. Right. If you look at 2010, the big film of the year was yet another, guess what, first-time director.
0: Fuck you. <laughs> Whoever you are, I'm just kidding. There you go. Um,
1: <laughs> I, as I'm sure you've heard of, and uh, you've maybe even seen, The Man From Nowhere starring one bin. Um, it, was, it was good. I wouldn't say it was as good as The Yellow Sea, but it was number one in the box office. The Yellow Sea was number 19. It sort of says it all. It did okay it got its real feed from the international side because as i probably mentioned before um it was invested in by 20th century fox
0: oh oh even the yellow sea was
1: yeah and it's one of it's one of those first one of those first films that was specifically 20th century fox has invested in this when i saw it in the cinema 20th century fox comes up before you know the korean distribution company so internationally it started to pick up from there and it did really well but in korea when it was released in that year it it was okay it was in the top twenty it wasn't it wasn't huge
0: yeah i remember seeing it and uh, granted the international version is not as long as the korean one but uh, i had nothing to compare to it didn't feel uh, stripped or anything i mean uh, if it was one sixty or one eighty originally i don't remember maybe it had ten fifteen minutes removed for international purposes but uh... I have a feeling that it's a focused editing job rather than a dumb yeah. to make rather than to make it a dumb down version it was just uh, you know even the good the bad and the weird had some international edits
1: yeah totally i think i think it's much more that than than anything else i i don't think it's you know slashing willy nilly i think it it's been edited because it it kind of needed to be edited for international audiences.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so Na Hong Jin didn't emerge again until 2016's The Wailing, and I did read one of the reasons uh, he took his time was uh, personal, as uh, several friends or close ones, uh, close ones, passed away, and going to funerals became an all too common occurrence uh, to Na Hong Jin. Uh, but he was pulled towards religion for his content and theme uh, in The Wailing, and and as he spoke of in interviews promoting the film, quote, I'm not a very devout practitioner like the rest of my family, uh, participating in missionary works and such. I sometimes find myself agreeing to the concept and comments that deny the existence of God. Uh, when making important decisions, I seek counseling from the Buddhist monks at temples in the mountains and pray there as well, End quote. And on choosing the occult content, he said, I didn't want to deal with this specific occult genre because I felt it couldn't really appeal to Korean audiences as none of these films, uh, if you look at that genre, had any history of success in Korea. Interviewers sort of wanted to... See if um, what they've seen in his prior two movies were a common theme or such. So they brought up the following thing. Uh, like um, content such as roads, being on the road, chasing, subverting the genre at hand. If that was purposely done, th- those kind of elements. And now Hong Jin admits that, no, it isn't part of my stylistic process. It's just common storytelling content, really. Um, nevertheless, the interviewer wasn't stupid about it. As such, they merely just asked a question if, they, if that was... Um uh, if that was the case. So they weren't looking too hard into it. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm not slagging the interviewer off for anything. But nevertheless, The Whaling was a big success when released in Korea last year and has generated universal acclaim, and perhaps more so than these other two movies. Uh, so uh, we, we have discussed that it was a big hitter box office-wise, obviously I just said it, scored high attendance, but was it amidst the top five that also included Train to Busan and The Handmaiden?
1: If you kick the Korean output, In terms of box office and popularity, yes it was. The big five of that year were Train to Busan, The Handmaiden, The Wailing, The Truth Beneath, and The Last Princess. In terms of overall box office, it was number seven um, for the year, um, which which is pretty good. 2016 was a really strong year, and it was beaten by Train to Busan, a violent prosecutor, Age of Shadows, which we've already mentioned, But, you know, it beat The Handmaiden in terms of box office, it beat Pandora, it beat Spirit's Homecoming, which is another shamanistic kind of film that moved me deeply. So it did okay. It did phenomenally internationally and it's still doing phenomenally internationally um, and it's certainly top 10. You can't really go wrong with that.
0: And they they went on to score a bunch of technical awards uh, at the Grand Bell Awards, uh, but also uh, uh, an acting award, best new actress, given to Kim Kwan Hee, and that's a little girl, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and she's just great in it.
0: I don't know where that came from, that rage and that uh, mood, but uh, they, they, Na Hong Jin tapped into something, all right, something. Yeah, very, very, wow. very, very scary.
1: I mean, on a very very side note, she is she is quite young, and uh, somebody asked Na Hong Jin about the fact that it's a pretty hairy, scary, heavy movie. For a young girl to be acting like that, what was the take? And he said he never let her actually read the script. He gave the script to her mother, and her mother explained the scene to her. So, you know, her acting is all off the cuff. She never actually read the script.
0: Yeah, I think that's wise, because uh, you're going to plant the images and... and, uh craft nightmare fuel for a little kid like that uh, with a vivid imagination so I think that's uh, probably a good idea it's um, in terms of um, it being de- defeated so to say at the Grand Bell Awards so it was defeated by movies such as Inside Man and The Lost Princess but uh, me being all stupid I, I thought the same ceremony would uh, include The Handmaiden entering to Busan but were they released too late to qualify and they will be competing next year or what was the deal there?
1: This is such a weird weird thing if you look at the release dates of A Train to Busan came out on the 20th of July. The Wailing came out on the 12th of May. And The Handmaiden came out on the 1st of June. So they're all within a month or two of each other. If you look at other awards, if you look at the Blue Dragon Awards, which aren't as big as, you know, the, the Grand Bells, but they're big, The Handmaiden was Threw it for everything, you know, best director, best actress, best film. Train to Busan was in there a little bit. The wheeling was in there a little bit. And then you look at the Grand Bell Awards, and The Handmaiden isn't there, and Train to Busan isn't there.
0: I mean, could it have been? It didn't miss any expiration, uh, like uh, cutoff date. It 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 literally could have been it uh, been uh, nominated.
1: I mean, as I say, they were they were all released sort of May, June, July, and. The Grand Bell Awards took place on December the 16th and the Blue Dragon Awards took place on November the 25th. So they were all in place. The only thing I can think is if you think back to last year's Oscars, everybody expected The Handmaiden to be nominated and to win an Oscar and it didn't even get mentioned. And I spoke to someone in the know, shall we say, about why and they pointed out the content And they said the people who decide on these awards are very conservative and they're just not going to even acknowledge a film as erotic as The Handmaiden. And I assume that the Grand Bell Awards did exactly the same thing. There is no timing wise reason that The Handmaiden shouldn't have been included. You know, a, a big set of awards a month before and it had wiped the boards. So there's a reason it wasn't there that isn't about release date and I can only assume it's because of its content.
0: It's trained to Busan on just too too light and too fluffy to even be nominated therefore.
1: Yeah, I think I think you know, you get the odd awards that just think, well it's really cool, let's nominate it as a great action film and you get the the proper, you know, we're the award ceremony who just go, Well let's just throw away action. Let's
0: biggest movie of the year puffed
1: yeah i i i I honestly honestly think so and i think it's a real shame you know and and it's why we kind of have to take award ceremonies with a pinch of salt
0: which is still amazing why the chase i'm not equating the chaser to train to Busan, but again the chaser wasn't two hours of uh, revolutionary filmmaking or anything yeah
1: totally totally so um yeah
0: but anyway what, what do we know in terms of what's next for our acclaimed director what's the fourth movie gonna be
1: We have no, I have no news whatsoever. I looked through interview upon interview upon interview and I found nothing. And all I can assume is that just as between the sea and the whaling, he took his time and had to deal with life things. I assume he's just taking his time and he'll decide on the next thing. And he just hasn't mentioned it yet.
0: No, I wasn't going to mention this, but uh, just prior to recording, I read that, uh, that there are talks of a remake of The Wailing and that uh, 20th Century Fox Korea uh, argued that they they want Na Hong Jing to, to direct it because he's the only guy who could direct it. Uh, and as we said off there, uh, the chances of that, that happening, him directing his own remake, I think are slim to none, to be honest, because uh, I don't think he sees that as... I don't know. I know nothing of him, but I just think he's more clever than that. Uh, and he'd rather pursue new art instead.
1: I would I would tend to agree. And I think when you look at the whaling and how specifically Korean it is, I think that was deliberate on his part. I don't think the whaling would fit if you strip out the Korean stuff. They're not going to allow it to be made internationally with the Korean stuff in it. And I think he's too switched on to that therefore say, well, let's do a different film. It just wouldn't work. And I, I would hope he would realize it wouldn't work and just wouldn't have anything to do with it.
0: And, and I should state, the article also stated that these were all preliminary talks, that uh, people were interested rather than the project being announced. So uh, as these things go, I'm not too sure the remake is going to happen at all. Because it's one of those things that's going to peter out or stay in development for too long, and then there's no... No interest at
1: all. Totally, you know what I mean. From my point of view, the willing has been made. If you like films like that, go watch a subtitled movie or whatever. Don't don't wait for a a bland US remake with bits cut out to make it American.
0: Right on, buddy. Let's uh, go into the review of the movie and ask for my quick opinion of The Wailing. It is effective, sometimes scary, uh, quite haunting murder mystery with a decent amount, but it's not overly packed. Confrontation with uh, religion, but still, um, I'm not so sure it's super confrontational. I'll I'll, I'll have some notes on that, spoiler-free notes. Because, I don't know, it it might have things to do with loss of fate, but it also might have something to do with uh, having to craft stronger faith uh, but i think all of this is optional if i'm being honest you can look at Na hong jin's horror movie for the story it presents right uh, to take it out t- take it as literal as as you see on screen 99 percent coherent but a little tricky towards the very end I, I had to look up some slight explanations uh but it's uh 99 coherent obviously means it's pretty damn clear a long film but it earns our investment so i quite liked it uh, so in short uh, what do you want to say about the wailing and, and you saw it on the big screen right
1: I saw it, I saw it on the big screen and about two days later I watched it again on the small screen just to get everything in my head because it is so in like Nahon James, all his stuff, it's so intense, it's so in your face that it's very easy to just come out thinking, Well, hang on, what? Just as we did so you know, I watched it twice to get the full gist. Um, I think it is coherent. I think it's just a case of it being so intense that it catches you off guard. Um, there's one specific shaman ritual in it that's just, uh, you, you know, I mean, your your eyes almost roll with with intensity. Um, can I, I can insane. imagine on the
0: big screen that uh, our in uh, set piece, which is a, a sort of expertly put together set piece in terms of intercutting between different places.
1: Phenomenal, you know you sometimes see before television shows, they say the following program contains flashing images when you've seen that shaman rit- ritual on the big screen in a darkened cinema, you rethink what flashing images actually means. It's an, an insane visual head fuck if you'll allow me to swear insane. It works really well for me. I'm particularly pleased and I'll be very quick, but I'm particularly pleased that Na Hong Jin chose to make Wang Ji-min a supporting character and make Quakda One the lead character. I mean this was his first lead role.
0: Fuck me, really? I thought that was a veteran character actor. He, right? He's
1: he'd been he's been a character actor, but if you look at his filmography, they're all Little throwaway pieces, they're all smaller supporting roles. This was his first lead role.
0: Now, now I'm annoyed again. Why are there so many talented people in the world? Well, that are, exactly, I'm annoyed because I love him, obviously.
1: <laughs> and I think the coolest part of the whole thing is that someone asked Nahong Jin why he'd done that, and he said, If you put Wan Ji Min in a lead role, he gives a lot to a supporting cast to allow them to pull themselves up. If you put him in a supporting role he just wipes the floor with everybody and that's why he chose to put him in there and he does wipe the floor with everybody almost almost
0: in in terms of uh, some off the cuff uh, question here do, do you think it is his best film is it like a progression where each film is getting better uh, for him in terms of uh, Na Hong Jin's work or they're, they're way too different to sort of say aha this is the best one
1: no I think I think his I think he's becoming what he's going to become he's only done three films. I loved The Chaser. I thought it was very nicely balanced. I liked The Yellow Sea. I liked its intensity, but I didn't think it was...
0: Like next level.
1: Yeah, it was just another film, another great film by the guy that did The Chaser. I think the whaling is him starting to come into his home, his own. And I would say it's probably my favourite of his films so far, just because of the things we we'll, we'll talk about shortly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean I I would rank them that way, the whaling, the chaser and then the Yellow Sea, but all quality uh, across the board.
1: Totally, totally.
0: What I dug is um what I dig is uh, that he's not a flashy director necessarily uh there's a nice and still and distant imagery initially. Um we, we can soak in the design and environments that way. For instance the the outside courtyard of uh, uh, of our lead character Do-Wan's house as he um is gonna embark on that first uh, trip to the first uh, murder case and the raining and all of that so yeah I, i like that we can soak in design a little bit more it's very real and it's a filmmaker in control of his look and his pace and even when things do get intense because we we go he goes to the crime scene and we find what i thought was a corpse first when we see the it's not a startle for us uh, cinematically, but it's a startle for Quack when he arrives to the scene. That charred, cuffed man, where, who I thought was dead, but he's, he's simply sort of in a catatonic sort of state and just sit, sitting there shaking, and his, uh, his eyes are, you know, rolling. Point, point, yeah. point, uh, rolling so you, you almost see like there's only whites in his eyes. If you think about those images, uh, they're not s- smash cut. Two images and be startled now. But rather than we are just following the characters being startled themselves, but it isn't at the, It isn't like an audio visual sort of startle. It, so it's not trying to make it ugly. It just because uh, uh, and, and like cheap in terms of uh, surprises. Uh, just because uh, it's a horror movie and it's a con- the countryside and it's raining and shit like that. And and I think those, I mean, I'm focusing in on like early elements, but I, th- I still think yeah. that that was very effective. We, we are ju- we are allowed to absorb the ugliness rather than be told by someone prodding us cinematically, like this is ugly now. Be scared.
1: I I think there's a lot to be said for the way he repeatedly, like that scene. You see him sitting there. You think he's dead. And it's only when you look at him and you become accustomed to what you're looking at that you realize what's going on. And he does that throughout the film. They go into a room and it's dark and you can't really see what's going on. And
0: Can I just tell you something about that? Because... um. For 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 some reason I I don't like typing in the dark on my laptop despite the laptop being lit up and you can see the key, uh, keyboard so I usually watch movies with the light on and I was kind of saying to God damn it I can't see anything necessarily yeah, yeah, I, I need to turn it off but I can't because I can't make my notes so it, it was but but I think it was deliberately sort of designed to be um, darkened plus
1: you know it's just that whole thing of focusing on something and it looks a little bit odd and. When you realize what it is, oh, heavens. You know, even when they, in the early stages, they see what turns out to be this Japanese man in a forest area. You just see a man bent over and you think, what's going on there? And it's only when he comes closer that you realize what's going on. Um, it, he constantly does it, and it works for me every single time.
0: Yeah, because it's not too vague, is it? Like, we get it, so he doesn't need to resort to cheap... Cinematic tricks to uh and go boom, or anything like this. Places for intensity in these two and a half hours, but I, I I think it's very confidently handled. That they just have a look at it, this is horrific, and I don't need to tell you that necessarily. I don't need to be fucking verbal about this stuff and uh and uh, uh, like make the alarm clocks go off, like oh yeah, or a horror trope. Like, no, not at all. I'm confident. I'm let, let me tell the story, sit back and uh. And uh, you're going to feel some chills, alright. He's also not compared to The Chaser. He's uh, dialed down the bumbling cops uh, comedy a little bit um, here. Uh, They're not used to this type of crime, granted, so they're they're a little bit um, clumsy, but they still have procedures in place, it looks like. So it's just unusual for most of them. Uh, They're they're inexperienced rather than dumb. In, in, In The Chaser, I think he was going for the juggler in terms of that they can't protect... This politician, yeah. I think, who gets a bag of poop uh, thrown in his face and things like that. So it's a little bit, um, they're a little bit too dumb than, than deserved, I guess. But
1: I mean, from, from my point of view, re watching it in the early stages, the words or the name that kept coming to my mind was Bong Joon Ho. Oh,
0: yeah. Even Mark Como uh, 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 said that there is, a, you know, The Exorcist, the memories of murder hinted at in there without. Cheapening Na jins vision, of course. He just uh, he 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 drew upon that as well. Like I, I can feel the vibe of memories of murder. Uh, from Totally. This.
1: Uh, both in the in the not bumbling cops, but the cops that don't know what they're doing and are almost bumbling because of that, and also in terms of the tiny tiny little bits of humor within the darkness, which just hit me so much as as good if not. I I dare say better than Bong Joon-ho, but you know what I mean. I don't mean this as, oh, he's, you know, doing a Bong Joon-ho because he's not. But in terms of humor and that sort of thing in Korean cinema within dark stories, Bong Joon-ho's the the go-to guy. So if Na Hong Jin can do it as well, it really says something for him.
0: I think it's more gentle, a um, little very, bit yeah, more yeah. gentle, at least compared to Memories of Murder. We, we, the, 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 it's classic, but they are downright doffed as you remember in Memories of Murder. Like uh, the whole pubes thing from Memories of Murder is uh, obviously
1: totally, totally.
0: Ca- uh, super cartoony. Here, there's like two moments where it's gently comedic. Like they, they discuss the issues of adult diapers and uh, why, why adults have such diapers, you know? So it's gently a little. Comedic verbal things, and at one point, someone picks up a possible murder weapon without uh, wrapping it in a cloth uh, yeah, b- yeah. before, so they, they they fuck up that way. But uh, otherwise, he, he um, you know he keeps it more gentle and stuff like that. He does embrace classic horror tropes, despite, uh, but not in the sort of like. Um, Uh, sarcastic hipster way or anything because there is rain and uh, we see um, a red-eyed beast in a story flashback which we don't know really if that's true or not Um, lightning strikes and uh, so there are classic horror templates being played out here and tools and there's no shame in that because uh, just because a genre is overdone that doesn't mean a serious attempt featuring uh, genre content is to is to be laughed at not not at all so uh but 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 it keeps that still far away from the movie because he he doesn't accompany shocks by huge stings or anything that there's a little scene where someone is standing outside a police station you know uh, someone looking in and we don't see that first i i i actually i i rewound this moment
1: yeah so did so did i
0: when they see that girl they say what is that what did you see that and we're not let into that until two three shots later essentially right and I like that that he is confident enough to um, play the uh, perspective of the characters and we're sort of like what what what, what? show me show me yeah. and that that's all good that, that's all good and uh, it is rainy it is ugly and all of that but uh, of course there's some widescreen picturesque uh, photography here too you know it's not 100% rain throughout the movie you know we we got some downtime between father and daughter but but they're not forced family insights because his uh, the father-daughter bonding is very good natured and uh, she's very intelligent so he he's obviously setting that up if, because tragedy is going to follow but uh, it, it offers up a visual template that's uh, very appealing without him Uh, making his mark as, I'm the visual director only, look at me. Uh, I
1: I have to say those little moments between the the father and daughter were some of my favourite moments aside from the horror set. You know, her sitting on the side of a, a mountain playing out of tune, little pipe, completely out of tune and being so proud of herself. Her running up to a car where her dad's having sex in the car, and she's banging on the window, going, What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's beautiful, tiny, tiny little bits of humor that just lighten the load a little bit before, you know, the darkness comes.
0: Yeah. But but, but in terms of, again, we, we, we should maybe address the, the fact that this is quite a long movie. It's a 160 minute movie or just slightly below, uh, essentially two and a half hours. I think he earns that because he, he decides to. Uh, reveal the mystery bit by bit and uh, take us from one intense place to another in a very, again I'm using the word confident but uh, uh, also confident and clear manner that doesn't overload the movie either, meaning that we have to keep track of all these friends or anything no, it's uh, it's perfectly calm reveal and I think it's a dangerous proposition to use two and a half hours to be calm about it right but I I think he firmly earns that I mean yes it might have been played well 10 15 minutes shorter who knows I, I didn't examine each and every edit but I I very much think that uh, this uh, earned its running time because of how deliberately calm and clear he wanted to make matters and, and and like a change intensity not from zero to 100 but gradually
1: yeah and I think also the fact that he very deliberately and very, very, in a very accomplished way, manages to never let you know who's really the good guy and who's really the bad guy, and constantly change it as you go along, allows that extra time to almost feel worth it because you, you're never sure. Right until the end, I, until it was actually revealed, I wasn't sure who was going to turn out to be the real battery and i think that's a very very strong thing and i could have sat for another half hour glad i didn't but you know i think that's a big part of it as well
0: i, I agree i agree it's a good point that you make uh, again we're keeping it spoiler free but you 100 percent correct that he flip-flops between you know what is the mystery what is the reveal aha no that isn't it oh Okay, interesting. Let's follow that thread because, it, because just because he flips doesn't mean he flips it into incoherency, which is the, which is the key, I think. Uh, and, and I also like that the possible almighty power that's out there is in control of things that just as characters are going to reveal something they're, they're going to make sure to trip those characters up. For instance, uh, the man who's struck by lightning in the woods, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just one that's like, no! We're just about to find out something, and then he's uh, he's uh, he's screwed. So, uh, but I think when he starts to actually increase the intensity, it's probably in one of the hospital scenes where w- one character's pierced from within. Yeah, uh, that's when you know the movie is, uh, you know, conducting its business beyond just the who done it that can coexist, right? That's a smooth transition to, I think, there's something otherworldly going on here, right? That coexists with the genres he's playing with, right? That switch to, okay, we're now Supernatural, I think.
1: No, I I totally agree. And I I think it works with that intensity. And the, the, the great thing is that once that scene comes, the intensity starts, it really doesn't let up, which is another Nahong Jin thing. I mean, even at the end where... The main character is talking to another character and isn't sure whether they're good or bad. It's a slow five, ten minute scene um, that, well, probably seven minutes, that is intercut with other things, but it is a slow thing. But the intensity is still there because he doesn't know whether to go or stay and it's just you're on the edge of your seat. So his intensity is there. Constantly, whether it's fast or slow from that point on,
0: because I don't remember in reality watching the chaser in the LLC if it was like being bludgeoned all throughout, like really, like literally intense, uh, in an intense manner. It's it, it certainly in an overall tally that was the case. And I, and I think in here it feels more reserved because it takes its time to build yeah, things up, and afterwards, you feel like. Oh, yeah, I was kind of abused. <laughs> yeah, you. totally. So it's not um, too intense where you need to, like, okay, this movie needs an intermission because I need a breather.
1: I, I, te- I tend to completely agree with you. I think it, it is much more, not subdued, but controlled. When I saw The Yellow Sea, I really did feel I was being beaten up as it was going on. I enjoyed it, but I really did feel like I was being, as you say, abused in the cinema. Um, I didn't feel that with the whaling.
0: Because there's just like uh, for the whaling here, there's, he reveals things calmly, but that adds good, good creepy factor, good spooky factor. Like, for instance, when they find the huge stash of photographs uh, in the Japanese man's house, and it's that colleague of his that just keeps staring at them and sees the shoes that are gathered up, which is a nice touch, because he or someone is gathering up shoes, and that, that, that that's creepy, because who gathers shoes? Like, who, who will collect shoes? And uh, it feels like earthy and very real, rather than out-of-this-world supernatural. Yes, we've gotten the impression that you, you can't be pierced from within and claim that's pure reality, there is something going on here but for finding that altar that ugly altar that's not thoroughly lit either, again he, he has, with the cinematographer, cinematography sort of color timed this movie to be like I can't, I mean was it that in the cinema that you can't quite clearly see everything, like if you think of that scene when he finds that little room of photographs, yes you get an idea of what's there but there's a lot of darkness still
1: Yeah, and I think that that's totally deliberate that no matter where you watch it, you will have to go what just like because he isn't moving
0: his camera. His his camera is there, it's looking at it, but we can't thoroughly see it.
1: And I think that's one it's there are a lot of strong points here, but I think that's one of the strongest points, the fact that you are actually itching to find out what they're looking at just as they're trying to understand what they're looking at.
0: Uh, he's uh, he's uh, the actor plays his colleague. He, he has uh, quite a good moment uh, because he's quite shell shocked after finding these things. And uh, I mean, we're still not maybe an hour in at that point, so obviously it's not wrapping up anytime soon. But yeah, uh, like the dialogue he says while he's shell shocked, like he's the criminal. He took their belongings and he did something to them. But that's not solving the puzzle at all really it's a part of the gradual that the film employs which I really um really appreciate it we, we mentioned the whole uh, intensity that involves the kid and the, uh, she she runs away with this movie obviously that that attitude that she displays by where she's clearly possessed by something which isn't a clue to the mystery either but her defiance and her attitude is scary she swears like a sailor as well which I I wonder if she did that in Korean uh, on the set, or if they dubbed that in. I, I don't know how precious they are in terms of swearing in front of children or letting children swear in movies, or, or if that's just a parent's call.
1: Um. I, I think I think they've probably just talked around and said, you know, you have to say this, blah blah blah, and they've got away with it because it's just, you know, that that was then and there. It's, her performance is so incredible that. It's just, it's the way it is. It's it's her there doing it. So I assume they've just told her to use specific words and go, and she really does to the end to the end degree. She scared yeah. me.
0: I mean, it's the creepy kid trope, but uh, thank God that didn't feel old because we we've been spoiled and bludgeoned in terms of uh, movie by movie having the creepy kid, and if you manage to rise above those tropes, you're doing your job quite well, you know, in 2017. Yeah. You know, because um, th- those ripples can be ugly when something hits and everybody keeps doing the same thing. Then th- that can be ugly and, if you know, maybe it helps that we aren't in the ring era anymore in terms of having creepy possessed kids. I mean, I- I'm sure Korea did that whether long head or not. Uh, you know, cre- creepy possessed kids and stuff.
1: Massively, massively. You know, creepy possessed kids, creepy possessed blokes, creepy possessed blokes who were women, who were, you know, actually kids, who were dolls, um, all over the place. Um, The wonderful thing about that scene, particularly for me, is the way he leads into it. Yes, you've got a creepy kid, but it starts off with the main character seeing a rash on his daughter's leg and sort of in the dark with a flashlight, just sort of trying to see where the rash is. And she just... Quietly turns around and goes, "What are you doing? You're you've got a flash night and you're shining it up your daughter's skirt."
0: Because uh, because we we actually see the uh, him he has to look as far as uh, to the panties, so he needs to he lifts up her nightgown, which is obviously, you know, I, I was just thinking she's gonna scream molestation and rape any second now. For,
1: from this second every time I watch that, and from the first time I watched it to now. When she says, "What are you doing with a light looking up your daughter's skirt? What's that all about?" I actually felt the hairs in the back of my neck stand up because it doesn't feel like a a kid that's normally looking at this. You know something's coming, and then she just goes off and it just felt so natural. I think
0: those frequencies are you know so well." Extracted from her because not every kid can go these places uh, for for make believe sake. You know that she got, got as far as winning an award for this. Then great. Is she gonna do anything else after this? Who knows? You know she she might not just she might just resume being a kid.
1: She might do. Let's hope not because she was she deserved that award. She is she deserves numerous awards for that performance.
0: She she is a find indeed. Uh, did, did did we establish if she she had done any? any roles or not, or she's too young to have been in movies before.
1: That was essentially her first film. And he, he found her through her parents and just, he was, he was very taken with the actual little girl's intelligence and her, you know, her personality. And I, I think that's a lot of what shows through interacting. I think her not reading the script at all allows her to be her more, as it goes through until she changes and becomes evil, of course. Uh,
0: let's talk more about the actors, actually, uh, because my, my, my next note uh, goes to uh, lead actor Kwak One. Again, uh, first lead role I thought he was. Again, he, he isn't obviously a hunk. He's a little bit of an overweight the actors I thought, like, he, I don't recognize him. He's probably... St- Great at what he does, but I I feel that this is one of the biggest showcases he's probably had in his career. I might be wrong. Turns out I I was sort of right because he said sort of first lead role for this guy because he's not young young necessarily. So I just thought that he 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 must have experience in in the industry.
1: The thing is, you know, you you watch Korean cinema and you recognize, you know, jin men. You recognize whoever straight away with certain actors. You've maybe seen them before, but you can't place where you've seen them. I Looking back at his career, yes, he's had smallish roles, but they've been in big movies. He was in The Man From Nowhere. He was in The Good, The Bad and The Weird. He was in Mother and he was in The Yellow Sea. And I can honestly say I don't remember him in any of those films at all. It's one of those things where... You think he's coming out of nowhere, and he kind of is because when he's been doing his supporting roles, they really have been supporting roles, and you're t- you're taking in the main actors, and you're, you know, letting him pass by. So,
0: was um, uh, pardon me, or was the Phantom and the Attorney movies or TV dramas? Because I, I know he won uh, some awards for Phantom and the Attorney, and and The Wailing uh, also.
1: Totally, yeah, the Attorney, great. Phantom Detective, okay, yeah, nothing to what he's done in the wheeling, I mean, the Whaling he stands out. You're you're not going to forget him after that.
0: He he needs to go through the ring through the ringer in terms of uh, emotion here. I mean, pri- he's a cop, yeah, not very experienced. None of them are really. Uh, but the primary focus, obviously, in in the long run, is his daughter, and he needs, as a character, to find strength and be clear with his choices, and after a while there's no uh, room for skepticism. Care for his daughter? Yes. He has no room for skepticism. This seems like the thing. So, he obviously is genuinely torn, and people are trying to pull him into different directions, uh, which is is part of the spoiler, so I won't tell you what that is. But my point is, it's a performance of reactions, but he never goes off the reservation. Uh, He feels like a father in this... Possible and even heartbreaking mess. Yeah, totally. and, uh, and out of the 2016 performances I've seen, which are not many, this is the standout, really, because there's desperation and sadness and tragedy and subtle expression of all of this by do One. So, uh, I'm I'm thinking this is it. Uh, this is the performance of 2016 out of the ones I've seen.
1: Certainly, in terms of. Male actors. I, I would kind of agree with you. And I've I've seen a fair few from 2016. Um, he's certainly one of the standouts, if not the standout. Um, it's, it's a really, really good performance. And, you know, it just makes me wonder why, with all the f- films he's been in, I didn't remember him. You know, it just makes it's such a good performance. You think, well, surely he should have stood out in that. Yeah,
0: he doesn't seem like a chameleon necessarily.
1: No, totally. Um,
0: but how did he cast otherwise? I mean, it, here's the thing: I've seen one movie with uh, Wang Jungmin that I'm aware of, a man who was Superman with his smiley face and Hawaiian shirt, and I'm <laughs> Superman. Phew! So I didn't, it didn't connect with me that uh, he plays the um, uh, shaman priest. What do, do, do you say, shaman or shaman priest?
1: Well, I would say shaman, but that's me. So,
0: so I didn't connect. Oh, when I saw the poster, damn it, that was him. I recognized him. But otherwise, how, how did he cast uh, Na Hong Jin? Um, if we look at some some main roles here, uh, uh, aside from Kwak and Wang Junk you know, did he cast a list, or did he go for um, some untested performance, uh
1: Pretty, pretty much. What what he does is the the big. I mean, Kwak Do one was in the Yellow Sea as well. If you, if you look at that, he has a tendency to go with actors he's used before. Um, in The Chaser, in The Yellow Sea, he had Kim Yoon-sook and Ha Jung-woo, etc., cetera, etc. Aside from that, he tends to go for newer-ish actors or actors that are on the way, way up. Um, and if we bring in the idea of, of the little actress, the mysterious girl dressed in white, Chun Woo who you may not recognise, but she's she's been in phenomenal films, not necessarily big films, but her career's going through the roof. She was in she her first big lead role was two or three years ago in a film called Hangon Gondu, which was about a gang rape, and it was a tiny film, um, and it was released in the UK, I think by I think it was Third Window. You know, and it was a tiny film, but her performance skyrocketed it. She she then went on to cart Thread of Lies, Sonny, Mother, um, and they were all smallish roles. And I, I think hong Jin goes around, looks at those, and sees these small roles and sees what they're actually doing and gives them a chance to have a bigger sort of deal. Again, if we talk about Chung Woo after... The Wailing she then went on to do a film called One Day which I just was my last review and it's probably her biggest role to date and I will guarantee you she got it because of what she was allowed to do in The Whaling, and they then allowed her to take it further and her performance in it is astonishing.
0: She's, um, she's a key character that's essentially in the first and last act of the film uh, but but makes a her- An impact in terms of what she has to do with everything, even though literally she can only get like a best supporting actress nomination for for this movie. Like, like, uh, so it's not she's not constantly present. Like, uh, because she's so she's in it so early in the film that two hours later, oh yes, there was another character. You know, so she's she's completely out of it for for long stretches, but he uses uh, her very well and crafts clarity out of her. Obviously, again, I'm not saying anything else in terms of uh, what she has to do with uh, the movie.
1: You know, I love I love the fact the eccentricity of of what he he gets her to do. I mean, she is mysterious, she is weird, and I, I, not giving a spoiler away, but the first time. The policeman comes in contact with her. He's sitting in a chair. She's down the road and she's throwing stones at him, saying nothing. Being
0: being essentially very annoying, uh, but not trying to like, hey, fight me, fight me. She's just just being sort of childish uh, in a way.
1: Totally. And it's just it it works. It just opens you up. And I think even a small scene like that, it takes quite a talent to make it as approachable as she makes it. You know, she's got to be huge mark my words, I say it. Now.
0: I don't have any, a lot more notes because I kept mine spoiler-free, but I'm, I'm going to mention that the again, the intercutting in the exorcism sequence is just something else in wise The editor really went to town to make all the intercutting between um, two different distinct places and then two different rooms, right? Uh, uh, Wang Jun-min is in it and in uh performing this particular exorcism, which is Intense and has a lot of elements too. It uh, stabbing things and having blood sprayed in his face and uh, you, you know, so he's go, he he's he's not sitting there merely going, but he's he has to perform a dance really. And I'm sure he worked on that, like you read about, and uh, that had to be right. That simply had to be right. And then, and then the intercutting had to be right between the little girl, between uh, this uh, the courtyard, and also between the Japanese man. We can say so. Uh, we can say that much. Um, uh, so I, I, it's a standout sequence, but it's an hour in the movie, so you know that it, it's it's probably not going to work out that well. That's the thing. We're not done. But, but then again, things aren't that clear-cut, necessarily. And uh, I think w- when all is said and done, I, I come back to the fact that Na Hong Jin may not bludgeon us constantly, but it, it's it becomes intense because it doesn't get better. People break, and we're no clearer nearer to clarity for them, or a solution uh, as the movie goes along, because it seems like they're, they're not getting anywhere. Like if, if A solution isn't on the horizon and i think without spoiling it i think a religious theme will be in it is here and i've refrained from discussing it because um, it that would involve spoilers i think and that's why i only said in my short opinion that i think it is optional it might be his way of saying that that he's um, he he there's a disbelief in his um christian upbringing or his catholic upbringing but you you can take that if you like but but thankfully if, if you want to examine it the imagery that he puts in here in the movie they're not merely for scholars of religion they're, they're pretty recognizable things um, even if you just have a minor knowledge of uh, biblical stories and things like that so but even if you don't then um, you, you can still follow the story anyway yeah I have no real opinion of Na Hong Jin is has lost belief, or or if he's merely like drawing on the fact that oh yeah, I, I, I'm, my family is religious. Let's let's write a story, but not condemn anything. Really, I'm just going to use it as a story element. Fine, you can analyze it, you can take it at face value, I guess, and that's all fine. That's all fine. But
1: I mean, I think th- there's a. A lot to be said for the timing of, of this film as well. Over the last couple of years in Korean cinema, there have there has been a flood of films dealing with shamanism. Um, I mentioned Spirit's Homecoming a little while back was out the same year. There It and the films like It, Miss the Train, etc., etc., all have... The very much, you know, saving souls through shamanism, them allowing people to pass or healing past wounds, past generations wounds, you know, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. They're all very, very positive. And I think for Na Jin, the same year to be able to hit a shamanistic thing that isn't positive, that's, that's intense to the point of, the intensity that this film is I think it works very well in contrast with what everybody expects from films about shamanism.
0: Do, do you have an opinion of uh, if he is um, uh, putting his heart out on the screen in terms of uh, his lack of faith or lost faith or or, or, or do you think that it really doesn't, really doesn't matter if or what he's doing in terms of that?
1: I think it's more about the idea rather than the idea of faith, I think it's more about the idea of people who supposedly channel faith. Um, mm. I think, I think it's a lot more about, you know, in terms of, if you thought of it in Western culture, rather than being about religion, you'd be talking about maybe the church and what the church deems itself to be. I think that's more what he saying. I think it's more, about the people that run things, rather than the religion itself. That's, I mean, that's a personal.
0: Uh, yeah, I think I ever heard him say that. Uh, it's open to interpretation, and uh, not that it's abstract. But he he isn't uh, saying that. You totes got it. That was one hundred percent my intention. And um, hurrah! <laughs> no, he he's more uh, being slightly elusive about it, and 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 that's all fine because you can follow. You know uh, this scary story without doing like dual excessive work, thinking of the themes as well. So, so some things are very clear where they're coming from, but yeah. uh, it, it doesn't uh, prevent you from enjoying these two and a half hours if you decide to uh, discard, uh, discard uh, interpretation in that regard. Um, uh, we, we, which is a fine balance, I think uh, Especially come ending time When a lot of these things come to the forefront But it's still The coherency of the story For me, I that's what I Attached to, and uh, it was only Afterwards when I looked back on my outline I was like, oh yeah, there, there was People have asked me about this thing Yeah, that's probably in there, but it didn't prevent Me from enjoying the yeah, story yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying I'm anti-religious Or anything, it's just that sometimes Because I'm pretty dumb I just watch movies for their story.
1: I think I think there's a, a valid point to be made in watching films for the story. I think that's essentially what they are, and if if people want to look in, they can. I think a film that can be taken on both levels is superior because of it being able to be taken on both levels.
0: Uh, I am um, out of notes. I just want to ask this uh, other than the yellow sea and this, how common or rare has it been that Twentieth uh, Century Fox Korea has had a hand in productions?
1: It's getting more common. The Yellow Sea was really almost a trial run, and it got, had such success that they've done the whaling. They've done train to Busan had investment as well. I think it. I think it was Warner Brothers. Don't quote me on that. C-
0: certainly, their logos were absent from the US version. I watched. It was merely well go in front of the movie and then the Korean.
1: I, as far as far as I. I I'm almost sure it was Warner Brothers. I'll have to check up on that, but um it's getting to be a thing and really the LLC was a tester to see how well it would do and it worked and it's going to continue and it's going to get bigger and bigger
0: because they're giving filmmakers uh, freedom I gather.
1: Well totally, you know, I never if you, even if you look at Bong Joon-ho's recent Okja which was money from Netflix, it was a Netflix movie. It's taken it to the next level, so I think that's a much more intelligent way to do it than them selling the rights and then a U.S. company making a bland remake or whatever. It's just nice uh, that international connections, quite cool.
0: Yeah, when they realize that um, money and creative freedom can generate good business, um, you know they have a couple of examples of that now. Uh, the whaling, maybe being the the prime example of that because critical, commercial, and what's success, you know, uh, it was a a home run from concept to to execution, uh, so totally. to say. Um, so so yeah, I, I'm out of notes uh, as I, I'll leave the floor to you uh, in terms of uh, what else you want to talk about.
1: the o- The only thing I want to add is that if you like your films to have huge intensity, be gripping, but have Gorgeous little bits of humor in it. Check out the wheel link because it hits all the buttons. The strongest part, parts for me, apart from that hugely intense half-hour section in the middle, um, are definitely the humorous bits between the little girl and various characters.
0: So he's free for three, Paul. How about that?
1: Three for three, totally, yeah.
0: And as for availability of The Whaling, for some reason I couldn't find a listing for a Korean Blu-ray, yeah, only DVDs, from, but not from Korea, like only from Hong Kong, Taiwan, but maybe it's coming up. But regardless, as it stands now, for US listeners, WellGo USA handled distribution on Blu-ray, and it's also available at the time of recording on Netflix in the US. And for now, anyway, Kaleidoscope have only issued it on DVD in the UK, but you can rent the movie on iTunes in high definition as well. Go has uh, those particular rights in the UK. Um, so, getting back to the whole thing, uh, uh, was I totally um, stupid because I couldn't find a Korean Blu-ray of this? Or
1: no, there there isn't one. You know, if you again, if you look over the the past little while at releases in Korea, The Handmaiden, has been released on Blu-ray, left, right, and center. Can you get a Blu-ray in Korea? Well, it's coming, or it's it's virtually here.
0: Well, well, who needs it now? Now in the UK, we have both the uh, both the cuts of the film on Blu-ray, anyway. So uh, who needs Korea by now?
1: Well, exactly. But you know, that for ever there wasn't one. It's it's a a new thing that they seem to be releasing DVDs and then much later down the line they'll release a Blu-ray. You do get films like The Last Princess that were so huge they get just a Blu-ray, and then there's a DVD six months later, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there are a lot more films not being released on D- on Blu-ray than you would expect, which is
0: kind of a shame. I mean, I can I can watch movies on any format, but you'd want sort of uh, some details, uh, especially for this one that relies a lot on. You know, uh, darkness, and uh, you you you'd want something to be, um, you know, uh, uh, in in high definition, really, uh, when it deserves it, and I think it does. Uh, uh, so so thankfully, there's a few discs and and uh, and streaming options in in that quality at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if you look at the the very quiet scenes at the start and in between scenes where there there are beautiful vistas of Korea, they deserve to even be seen in Blu-ray.
0: Cool. Well, uh, you you have some options out there, and uh, hopefully for the UK's um, UK, we, we can have a little bit a little bit of a Blu-ray upgrade on disc in case you don't want to rent on iTunes. Because I I, I can just guess that WellGo USA probably is region A and therefore locked for um, UK uh, UK markets. So. But uh, don't quote me on that, because sometimes you think you know, and then it turns out it's re- region A, B, C, and therefore you you can play it. Uh, so cool, cool. Uh, we are done with the whaling. So uh, good old discussion of a recommended film. Uh, so uh, I haven't gone back and picked up any, any discs of uh, Na Hong Jin's work. I've I'm, I'm, I've merely seen like uh, the obvious streaming options but um, I think it's time to start uh, to see if it's worth to pick up on disk granted I try I'm trying to slim down in terms of what I buy on disk. Uh, if it's on disk I want it to be something there that isn't available on the iTunes purchase so because because I, I don't notice the quality difference between an iTunes HD version and something on disk because the iTunes HD versions are they're, they're lesser in size. But I haven't noticed any differences in HD quality. I, I don't have that eye. So I'm, I'm I'm good with an online purchase, to be honest. Uh, so uh, that's us done. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. And this has been What's Korean Cinema on the Podcast on Fire Network. And go to podcastonfire.com for all your needs, including uh, our archive of What's Korean Cinema. And the last, um, the, the last set of uh, six have included coverage of the 2016 output as well we have done the handmaiden train to busan and including this one the whaling too so uh, combining it with something very recent and in the episodes prior something older so hope you enjoyed and uh, uh, we don't i don't have anything else to say just go to uh, the network site for all your network needs so i'll hand it over to you paul because again co-host co-producer good man he deserves a plug again
1: very last thing I'll say is head over to com. Find me on Facebook or Twitter at Facebook.com slash HangulCelluloid and at HangulCelluloid on Twitter. Um, if you're interested in The Chaser and The Yellow Sea, if you've watched them and you enjoy them, there are interviews on com with both Ha Jung-woo and Kim Yun sook um, The Ha Jung-woo is a group interview. The Kim Yun sook is just me and him. Um, so, you know, pop over, go to the interview section, scroll down, and you'll find them. They're all from, I think, 2014, 15.
0: Nice fellas, I assume.
1: Wonderful fellas, um, especially Kim Yoon-soo, is just so, you know, you watch him in those movies. He's a big, gruff guy, but you meet him in person, and he's just, just so funny. Just a really nice geezer.
0: How, how are the uh, chances of um, bringing Na Hong Jin over to the UK in some shape or form, you think?
1: I was gutted when The Whaling played at the London Film Festival last year. Um, and I was gutted when they didn't bring him over and there had been talk that they were going to bring him and he couldn't make it in the end.
0: Is it, avail- is it a availability thing that everybody wants or wants him to appear somewhere in some shape or form?
1: I think pretty much so and I think time and wise it just it hit wrong for him so I think we'll have to wait till his next thing
0: because it seems like he 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 likes to he likes to speak of his movies to some degree so it's not uh, he's not one of those guys that wants the art to speak for speak for itself because he, he did a he did a bunch of press for the whaling
1: yeah yeah i i assume it was a time and thing and i would think because of what the whaling did the next release that he does whatever it may be they'll be clamoring to bring him over so
0: well book your tickets for 2023 or something <laughs> yeah
1: you know let's let's hope it a little bit sooner than that but <laughs> you could you could well be right
0: cool well uh, we are done anyway out now the Kennedy. thank you everybody for listening and uh, with me was paul quinn of hangout Cellular.
1: thanks for listening guys